When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mallow. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm here with my co-host Max Mallow and today we're talking about the day of love. Yes, the big VD. <laughs> the big VD, Valentine's Day. This Sunday, uh, February 14th, is Valentine's Day. Um, you know, get in the, the lovey-dovey spirit, and we figured it'd be best to talk about our favorite and, and the best horror romances and couples that we've seen uh, in the genre. Of course, you know, horror movies are notorious for having sexy teens have sex <laughs> and then die. <laughs> but, uh, you know, some of the on-screen romances... Uh, in some horror franchises are some of the most iconic and some of our favorites. So we thought, why not talk about our favorite ones? And, uh, you know, you guys can chime in as well uh, in the reviews or by tweeting at us later in the episode uh, what your favorite on-screen romances are as well in horror. But, of course, before we get into that, it's time for the Weekly Horror News Roundup, where Natalie scours the internet for everything you need to know in terms of horror movies. She puts her hand on her head every time I do it. She's like, oh, please stop doing this. <laughs> um, no, it's funny. But yeah, uh, our Horror News Roundup. Uh, so, obviously, last week we talked about the Golden Globes and um, our just what felt like an hour of rambling about, <laughs> about award season in Hollywood. Um, but... Uh, one movie that we talked about, uh, La Llorona, uh, has actually made the shortlist for Best Motion Picture uh, in a Foreign Language at the Oscars. So that's exciting to see a horror movie uh, get nominated. Um, the I feel like, even maybe most recently last year with Parasite, but I feel like more and more mm-hmm. people are starting to pay attention to the foreign language category. Because there are some really, really good movies that come out um, that sometimes get only nominated for the foreign language category and don't make it into the actual best motion picture award later on in the award show. Um, but as a disclaimer, once again, this is not the curse of La Llorona. That's a different yes. movie in the Conjuring universe, which isn't so great. This is a completely different movie, um, but exciting to see it get some uh, recognition at the Oscars. I know. I need to see this movie because like I said, I think last week when I kept seeing it pop up, I thought it was the, Curse of La Llorona, and sadly, I did watch that movie, and it was not the best movie ever, Um, but so this is really exciting, and I agree. I think the foreign language category is always slept on, and, you know, I think it's a matter of, one, like, we don't have good enough marketing, I think, here, and then also, it's hard to find these movies sometimes, like, how to watch them, and then also because, you know, some people just don't like foreign language some people don't like reading subtitles which I think is just really dumb and I won't get into it it's another topic but um yeah this is really exciting 
Yeah, what a stupid take for not watching a, a movie in a I foreign know. language. I don't want to read a movie. I want to watch a movie. And I'm like, okay. Like, come on. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Uh, it's extremely lazy as well. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, so La Llorona, nominated for an Oscar. Or not nominated yet, but it's made the shortlist to mm-hmm. be nominated. Uh, moving on, though, this is uh, exciting news for me when I saw this one pop up. Uh, because for those that don't know, my day-to-day stuff uh, is actually working on uh, Double Tap, which is a gaming esports brand that is a sister company to Fansided, where Natalie works. And, you know, my day-to-day stuff is all about gaming. And it was announced that a Borderlands movie is coming out, which is super exciting because Borderlands is one of my favorite video games. It's one of the most popular franchises. And Eli Roth is directing it. So, again, getting even more excited. And now, with this piece of news, Jamie Lee Curtis is joining the movie, which is, like, for one, I'm like, okay, so for those who don't know, Borderlands is a cell shaded action-adventure game with like RPG elements and just shooting a bunch of people and everything like that. And my, I was like, okay, so how are they going to work Jamie Lee Curtis into it? But then I thought again, I was like, it doesn't matter. It's Jamie Lee Curtis in this <laughs> video game movie. I'm down. Um, Kate Blanchett is also supposed to be in it uh, as well as Kevin Hart. And it was just announced today that Jack Black uh, <gasps> is going to voice the robot Claptrap, which is amazing. So I'm super excited about this. Do you know anything about Borderlands? No, I was going to say, can you tell me about it? Because I have, I like, I've heard of it, I guess, because it's like a big franchise, but I have no idea. Like, I'm not, I don't know, really, video games. So um, exciting cast. And I did see the Jack Black casting. That's really great. Um, so I'll, I'll watch it, whatever it's about. It's got an interesting cast and Eli Roth. So I'm down. Yeah, this is a like a very much uh, a franchise that has a cult following. People love this game uh, and this series, and there's a lot of apprehension when it comes to video game adaptations and movies, just like there was years ago with comic books getting adapted to the big screen, uh, Catwoman. Um, but you know, I feel like video games still isn't there. Like comic books have just taken the leap with the MCU. And for, like, the five people out there that like the DC movies, which is cool. You know, we're not shaming you, but, you know, you're a small group of people. Um, so I hope that maybe this is a new direction for video games because, you know, with this getting announced and the cast that it's uh, it's having and uh, the new Resident Evil movie, which is coming out, which is my favorite horror video game franchise, uh, I hope it's uh, a turning of the page for video game adaptations because there are some super bad video game adaptation <laughs> movies and there's some really really bad horror movie uh or horror game adaptations out there so i hope this is a, a turning of the page jamie lee curtis of course uh should be awesome as well so super excited for that and then the last piece of news which we covered last week uh, if you listen to the episode was m night Shyamalan uh had a new movie uh announced well not really announced but it was revealed that the trailer was going to air during the super bowl and that movie is called Old. Now, like small mini rant, like God, Super Bowl commercials suck now. Yeah, they were so bad. There was like this, and then Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that was like it. Which, like, we said this last week that the trailers probably were gonna be very slim to none, but it was like literally nothing, and all the commercials were just not good. Yeah, it's very, very 
upsetting because I remember growing up and just like one loving football, but also loving the fact that the next day when I went into school, we we're going to talk about our favorite yeah. Super Bowl commercials. And there, I, I was talking about this with my uh, with my friend, and he was just talking about how like memes and like daily content have desensitized us when it comes to humor, so that we're always laughing at something funny that like the Super Bowl commercials just aren't funny to us anymore. And yeah. Even on top of like Super Bowl commercials, like if you're not going to make a funny commercial, at least let's get the big movie premieres and the trailers that we want to see. And Falcon and Winter Soldier looks great. Super excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was apparently a Fast and Furious 9 trailer that I didn't see in my viewing of the Super Bowl. <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> so like that must have just been in like it for whatever reason, it wasn't shown in New York or something like that. Could be wrong, but. According to us, that's what happened. Um, yep. <laughs> and then we got old, but old looks like it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> I guess it's the best way to describe it. Uh, the movie is, from what we've seen in the trailer, taking place on a beach. Uh, according to the article from Ver- uh, Variety, uh, they find a dead body on the beach and then some supernatural, unnatural stuff is happening. <laughs> but the the cast looks great. Uh Gail Garcia Bernal is in it, uh, Thomas and McKenzie, uh, Alex Wolf, who everybody will know from Hereditary. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for Emma Shyamalan, who's been kind of preoccupied with this whole unbreakable split glass trilogy that he made. Uh, yeah. To get back to like horror movie roots. Because while there were some horror elements to, to split, glass was not a horror movie in any sense of it, and Split was more of a th- psychological thriller. Yeah. Yeah, I'm over those movies at this point. I'm like, I need to get back to, like, me growing up watching, like, The Village or the or Signs, um, Lady in the Water. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but this movie looks good. I'm really interested in it. So if anyone hasn't watched the trailer yet definitely go watch it but we can give a quick synopsis so basically like max said there's this family on the beach and they all just start growing at rapid pace um basically like in the beginning the little kid is like my swim trunks are are too small or they're too tight and then they grow the two boys grow into teenagers or adults Uh, then there's a girl you know who's fully pregnant and get ready to give birth so it looks like People are just aging at an insane pace, and I couldn't help but think of WandaVision with the two little boys. Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good callback. WandaVision is a, like if you didn't watch last week's episode of Wanda, this isn't a Marvel podcast. We keep saying that multiple times, but God, WandaVision is so good. Yeah. And that episode, which you know features some, we're not going to spoil it, but you know there'll be some alluding to it later on in the episode. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for this movie. The I think it just goes to show that something like this was the highlight for us. I know. When it comes to Super Bowl commercials. Like there was one with like Michael B. Jordan playing in Alexa and like the wife was like like moving toward Michael B. Jordan instead of her husband. And I was like, what is going on in this commercial? <laughs> I was so confused. There was yeah. the hot, the hot Cheetos one was good. The State Farm mm-hmm. one was okay with Drake. With uh, Drake, yeah. But he he had a heart. Do you see he had like a heart like a uh, buzz into his yes. head? Yes, yes. I literally was like, what is on his head? <laughs> yeah, I was so confused. Um, 
we don't have time to go through all the Super Bowl commercials, but <laughs> I mean, it's like to my po- to my friend's point, like we can all admit that all of the memes about the weekend during the the segment where he sung where he sang uh can't feel my face where he's yeah. wandering around in the whole like vlogging style uh mm. segment of his halftime show all those memes were funnier than all of the super bowl commercials that came out anyway so oh totally 100 percent. the internet is unbeatable i'm sorry commercials agreed just just do better i just i can't deal with uh I, it's not that i can't deal with it it's just like just do better. Like it's supposed yeah. to be the Super Bowl. Like, or just more movie trailers. Like, I understand if there's not a lot of movie trailers because Hollywood's not doing as much as it can with coronavirus and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think I counted two trailers that I saw: Falcon and and this one. I can't think of another movie trailer that I saw. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If there was, then I I just missed it because I guess my attention span was not there from all of the stupid commercials i don't know back to like the internet thing like the internet is just too quick so i feel like once you plan a commercial and then you fund it and then you shoot it and then you air it it's like the joke's already over (laughs) yeah exactly like where where does that super bowl meme rank for you with the weekend because um the show got a lot of like criticism on twitter some people were like that was meh like yeah uh i'm not I haven't followed Abel's music so much after Starboy. Like I loved mm. Trilogy, um, and I, what the what the heck was the name of it? The second album or the first the, album? Uh, like "Belong to the World" is on it. I can't remember what that album is called, but either way, before I expose myself, um, like I lo- the, I lo- one, the one I'm thinking of is "Beauty Behind the Madness," but that's not the one you're talking about. No, it's not the one I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I'll whatever I don't want to expose myself uh, or I already have but um yeah I loved Shakira and J-Lo last year I thought that halftime show was super fun I agree Um, and like Starboy is still a banger can't feel my face is still a banger um you know there were some hilarious memes about all the people on the field and they were like that's the most amount of people that have worn masks in Florida during the pandemic and I was like that's funny it's sad but it's funny yeah (laughs) again the internet undefeated um i know but you know well and like i still rank the justin timberlake meme where justin timberlake's going through the crowd and the kid's just on his phone not paying attention yeah jt is standing right next to him like where does that where does the weekend's meme rank for you um it's pretty good i i thought it was just so funny the things that people were coming up with like i saw one that was like me trying to get to my train at penn station that's a good one (laughs) i was like oh my gosh i'm that is me like a million times it's just so funny how like we said like it's just people come up with them so quickly and it was it was really good i thought like that night they were hilarious and now days later i'm like okay i get it it's like the same thing with the bernie meme it was so good for a few days and then it was like stop it right now (laughs) yeah it's uh, I enjoyed them. I, I that's maybe that's why I was just focusing more on Twitter. If there were more movie spots, I must have just been looking too much at the yeah. games. <laughs> and I was like, oh, last year we had Shakira doing the the thing with her um with her tongue. I don't want to make the sound. yeah that that meme yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes. that was good. Just quality memes always out of the Super Bowl, and the fact that the game was just depressing if you're not a Tom Brady or Buccaneers fan. So. Yeah, that's enough sports talk for the horror podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's your uh, weekly horror news roundup. 
Uh, and now we can get into our main topic for the episode, which is uh, our favorite and the best horror romances slash couples, and also just kind of romance and horror, because like we said at the top of the episode, you know, romance, quote-unquote, is very much uh, a trope in horror when it comes to just, like, your characters, and you have, you know, out of the five teens who are going to be killed off, you have your obligatory couple, you know, they have sex, one dies, the other one dies later on, and that's really the end of it. But, like, as, like, a horror movie as a whole, like, what horror movies are really based in romance, right? I think th- that's a good question to ask, and, like, what are the best ones for uh, in that, like, subgenre? I know. Like, I feel like it's crazy because there's just not that many good ones. Like, and it's weird to say because I feel like, like you said, like, romance and horror, like, sometimes go together. Like, they're another, you know, thing we see a lot of times is, like, when there is a couple – like uh, say the guy gets injured or something, then there's only the girl left. But then in the final moment, the guy comes back and saves the day. And then it's like, all right, now we're dating because we got through this together. Like that's in like every, you know, um, just like horror, like comedy movie type of thing. Um, So I don't know, like the one first one that came to mind was just like Dracula. Like that's definitely romance. Not huge horror, but I guess you you could classify it under horror. Um, I also thought Warm Bodies, which I was sad to hear. Didn't you say you didn't like that movie? Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that movie. That movie just bothered me. <laughs> I'm just such a huge zombie like <laughs> movie fan that just yeah like, watching that movie and watching um, Nicholas Holt just play this sad zombie who just wanted to be loved, and the fact that loved cured the zombie virus. And like, okay, it's cheesy. I get it. But also, like, can you imagine if someone tried that crap in like Dawn of the Dead and they're like, I love you. And the zombie was like, and it just ate you anyway. Yeah, I know. It's silly, but I thought it was cute. And if we're saying like true, like romantic horror, I think this is a good example. It was based on a book and the book was inspired by Romeo and Juliet. So... I mean, what else can you ask for for yeah. Valentine's Day? Yeah, there's a lot of Romeo and Juliet uh, analogies made in the movie. Um, I think John Malkovich plays the the father of the daughter mm-hmm. um, who you know is trying to nurse this this poor zombie in the form of Nicholas Holt. Um, so you know, not my favorite. It's 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 fun to watch one time. Like I watched, yeah. it, I watched it, and I was like, okay, I don't have to watch this movie again. Um, but there are, you know, in the traditional sense of like romance, right? Like when you think of, I guess, I like, I love rom coms. I can't deny mm-hmm. that. And Same. there are some movies that do kind of blend into, you know, the rom com genre a little bit. Um, I think the most notable being Bride of Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, that's a, one of the first that came to mind. And I was like, but like, it's a joke, but it's great. Like, I will watch Bride of Chucky on Valentine's Day if it's streaming somewhere. Like, I love that movie. Yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> for some, I think it's probably their favorite Chucky movie. It's definitely one where things go off the rails for the rest of the series. Um, yeah. Until the newer ones, where they tried to make Chucky a little bit more serious um, and back to his 
like dark humor killing type of ways but then you yeah. have like seed of chucky which is even weirder um and i'm not a huge chucky fan to begin with so i don't want to completely trash this movie but like the whole chemistry between um was tiffany right is yeah that, yeah tiffany who's obviously jennifer tilly and brad dorf who is chucky they're mm-hmm. you know that whole romance angle works in the Bride of Chucky, and it's really funny, and it comes off, um, like, it doesn't come off as, like, you're believing that these two killer dolls are in love or anything like that, <laughs> but it's uh, it's a good example of horror movies trying to add romance and having, like, you know, kind of, uh, in some kind of twisted way, like a Bonnie and Clyde type of relationship. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think this is my favorite Chucky movie. It's just so fun, and I think it's great that it's like kind of takes like a satirical turn from from the original one, and it's just like funny. And like you said, I think Tiffany and Chucky together—it's just iconic. Like I would dress up, I would do a couple's costume with that because I think it's just like such an iconic image, and they're so hilarious together that I I ship them as a couple and. I do love this movie. Also, Catherine Heigl's in this movie. I always forget that. It's so yeah, funny. As at a, a young age, a young Catherine Heigl. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I can't stand the Chucky movies. They just bother me. <laughs> Chucky was like the one thing that freaked me the hell out as a kid. So you're just scared to watch it. Yeah, maybe that I'm older. I'll, I'll you know, I'm 27 at this point. <laughs> I can brave a Chucky movie. Um, but you know, you mentioned. Uh, you know, Dracula, obviously the whole mm-hmm. idea of Dracula and, and luring a woman in and uh, quote unquote, the romantic aspects of that, right? You know, it's not straight on romance. He's still an evil vampire. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there have been uh, cases in movies where they're, um, you know, a family dynamic and the romance there uh, plays a huge part. Like, I wouldn't straight up classified as a romantic movie, but, uh, you know, a quiet place has a lot of familial elements to it, uh, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to, uh, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski and, and their on-screen relationship. And then, uh, you know, the connection he has with his kids and everything like that. It's, uh, a lot of emotional stuff that gets played into the, the core of that movie, but also a huge one, which is getting remade. Uh, well, not remade, but rebooted, sequeled, whatever, um, is Candyman. The original Candyman has a lot of romantic aspects to it uh, when it comes to Candyman trying to uh, lure our our female protagonist uh, kind of in like a Dracula type of way. Uh, yeah. But not directly. Um, but yeah, like, in terms of just like straight romance, there aren't just like a lot of movies. It's more, I think, predicated on the couples. Yeah, I agree. So let's definitely just get right into our couples here. I feel like we should say, like, do we root for them or do we not? Because there's a lot of iconic ones that are also very toxic, I feel like. And we can kind of weigh in if we think they are still together today. Would they make it in the real world? Um, But before we get to that, we're going to take our first quick break and we'll be right back. All right. So um, power couples in horror. So definitely we got Chucky, or yeah, we have Chucky and uh, Tiffany. I mean, I'm, I already said I shipped them. They're, they're all good on my end. Um, another, I think, iconic 
couple that isn't exactly in the horror realm, but it's kind of like a family horror is Morticia and Gomez and the Adams family. That is another iconic Halloween co- couples costume. Um, I remember always loving the Adams family growing up and just thinking that Morticia and Gomez were goals. They're adorable. Yeah, dun, 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 dun. I don't know my snaps, <laughs> but um, yeah, the Adams family is a classic. Um, one of the earlier, I guess, quote unquote, modern, like on screen couples mm-hmm. in a horror franchise um, that became really popular in the mainstream um and i think i'd be interested to know like how many horror couples that have you know been popularized and also shipped have like kind of been based off of morticia and gomez which would be interesting um considering just how popular the adams family is like i wonder how many years it's going to take before we get like a full on-screen like super stacked adams family cast like reboot I feel like there was one recently, no? They did an animated one, and it had a really good cast, so I wish they kind of just did it live action, but it, they didn't, obviously. Yeah, I feel like in a couple, like maybe five to ten years, we'll get some huge Adams Family Hollywood production um, with John Cena or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, did you know, not I, think that's where you're going with that. Nah, why not? Just put John Cena in anything. He's in the new <laughs> Fast and Furious movie. I'm down. Um, so yeah, I mean, getting more into like, like straight horror movies, uh, or like hardcore horror movies, I would say, um, one of the most popular ones from recent times is Ed and Lorraine Warren from, uh, The Conjuring, which, uh, you know, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson are going to reprise their roles in the upcoming third one, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and we'll find out what the devil made them do in that one, (laughs) I'm assuming. (laughs) Um, but yeah, this couple, you know, for whatever reason, when you watch this movie, you're just like, is this really what you want to be doing with your lives? You want to be investigating this type of stuff. I know. I know. I, it's really interesting because it kind of seems like, it's like, I want to live vicariously through them. Like I would never do that in real life, but I think they're so freaking cool. And like, I wish I could do that, but I, I wouldn't. So so I definitely think they're they're great together. Um, I think you know their 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 job is just insane, and they work well together. And of course, they're based on um, real people. Um, Ed and Lorraine Warren, the same name. Um, Lorraine Warren is uh, still alive. Sadly, Ed passed away. But um, yeah, I think it's really it's really interesting that they're based on you know real people. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and it's, for a lot of people our age, their favorite horror movie of all time. Uh, at least it might have been before Hereditary came out, and that one you know took the mantle. Um, but the on-screen chemistry between uh, Farmiga and Wilson is also great. Mm-hmm. You know, you find yourselves rooting for the characters in a movie that a lot of people have their hands over their eyes, because <laughs> it's very uh, jump-scary to begin with. But uh, you know, even moving back like a couple years before The Conjuring came out, which really kicked off the whole paranormal craze, which is paranormal activity. There's like Katie and and uh, Mika, Micah. Oh yes, like, yeah, Mika. Mika, yeah, like that's an on-screen couple. It didn't end very well, but um, like that whole movie, 
it sucks because like for like when you compare it to uh, Ed and Lorraine, you're like rooting for them the entire time. Like Mika, I'm just like, dude, you're a bit of a douche. Like, <laughs> like your your wife is clearly going through some some terrible stuff, or your girlfriend. I can't remember if they're married. Um, yeah, I think they were just dating. I think. Yeah, and just like she's clearly being haunted by something, and he's just like, oh, I'll beat it up. Um, Mika, I can take care of it. And yeah, well, that doesn't really end too well for him. Uh, but that's also a super famous one from from more recent times. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot about them together. And I think like uh, they had they had some funny times, and then also, yeah, he didn't he didn't believe her as much as he should have. So as it always goes down. Yeah, I think that's like some like obviously a bit of horror tropes being played into character development there. But like, I always appreciate when horror characters are, you know, smart and witty and can act on their feet and they're not just so naive and just like gullible, Mm -hmm. you know, part of it's like, Oh, we should split up. And it's like, really dude, like, that's what you want to do. We should split up and look for the bad guy. No, let's, you know, work together and not, you know, listen to, let's listen to Randy Meeks from scream, which we'll talk about (laughs) later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, even moving on like Nancy Thompson and Glenn Lance from a nightmare on Elm street is a, a very popular one. Um, I think not in terms of just like a main horror couple, but the, you know, the star that Nancy Thompson was in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Heather Langkamp's performance and just how iconic Nancy Thompson as a character became just like whoever she ended up being with or whatever was always going to be part of her character and her her story and uh, in the franchise. So that's a big one. Um, Janet and Brad from Rocky Horror Picture Show, which isn't, you know, still musical a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's another one. Uh, A couple more before we get into like our real favorites and ones that have been really, really popularized in modern media. Um, There's Victor and Emily from Corpse Bride, uh, which is a Tim Burton movie. People love that movie. Yeah, and this one is a is a fat non-ship. This is a, a no-go on this couple because Victor was supposed to marry Victoria and, oh, I'm sorry, was supposed to, I feel like Vic, Victoria was his mom or something. I think the girl that he was supposed to marry didn't have a first name if I'm, oh, wait. Am I sorry? I'm remembering this wrong. Anyway, the Emily is the bride that he conjured up when he's in the woods, and she basically like forces him to be with her. So toxic relationship. Yeah, there you go. Not for, <laughs> not for the best reasons that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got Adam and Barbara from Beetlejuice. 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 I just looked around. I'm good. Um, and then my favorite on-screen couple which is one that's returning very soon. Um, But I feel like for a lot of millennials, this is the one that they'll relate to the most and be like, yeah, that's my favorite on-screen couple in horror movies, Um, which is Gail Weathers and Dewey, uh, also Weathers, (laughs) uh, in uh, Scream. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is an all-time great one. I think, like, they planted the seed in the first original Scream of, you know, their relationship. And I think that... It's just an all-timer. I definitely am all for them. Yeah, especially the way that, like, it started in the first one because Gail was this, you know, 
empowered woman reporter going around trying to get to the bottom of everything and try to get the scoop. And Dewey was the the goofy, you know, police officer <laughs> who was trying to keep Sydney safe and all of her friends. But he was just all over the place. And you're like trying to figure out what's going to happen here. And then the fact that they kind of like allude to it a little bit at the end. Yeah. Uh, in the whole final, in the final act where like, you know, they're running away and they fall down a hill and they're just like, oh, hey. How are you, Ms. Weathers? And I'm just like, okay, sure, why not? And then the fact that they got married anyway, which was amazing, because you had David Arquette and Courtney Cox Arquette. Um, they're not together anymore, if I remember correctly. No, they're not. Yeah, um, so she dropped the Arquette after picking it up. Um, uh, you know, Courtney Cox is a huge star at the time. You know, Obviously, Friends, Friends yeah. one of the most popular TV sitcoms. Uh, you had David Arquette, who was in you know, box office hits like Eight-Legged Freaks, and <laughs> he was uh, the WCW world champion in wrestling for a little bit. <laughs> what? Yeah, he, yeah. a little, little known fact, he was a world <laughs> champion in wrestling. And I don't want to get, I'm a huge wrestling fan, but it's way too much to dive into the fact that he <sighs> was actually a world champion. Um, but, you know, the movie's heading into number five now, and you know, most recently from where they started, as you know, these two characters, to the fact that they were married on screen in the fourth one, uh, and they teased the fact that uh, that Gail was possibly going to die and everything like that, um, is like true icon status when it comes to the fact that they've been together throughout the entire, you know, they get together and they're still together throughout the entire franchise, and who knows if one of them will possibly be killed off in the fifth one. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Um, But in the same movie series, uh, (laughs) total polar opposites in terms of a healthy relationship. This one's extremely toxic, (laughs) um, which is the one that, you know, is the whole movie is predicated on uh, is Sidney Prescott and Billy Loomis. And this is an extremely toxic relationship. (laughs) The worst. It's funny. Like as much as like Billy is like romanticized on like Tumblr or like Instagram, you know, um, their relationship obviously sucked. It sucked from the get-go. He was, like, pressuring her to have sex, and it was just annoying. And then, you know, it turns out he was in on the whole thing. So, like, he's a terrible person. Yeah, like... <laughs> Beyond. All the gifts of him, like... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Corn syrup. Alfred Hitchcock, psycho. And you're like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Like, between all the the pressuring for sex and the gaslighting and just the straight up lying and the fact that he was trying to kill her the entire time. Yeah. Um, not the not the best relationship ever in a horror movie. Uh, but um, one of the most po- like one of the most uh, iconic ones when it comes to just how popular Scream was uh, as a movie when it first came out and how popular as a franchise it is now. Um, and the fact that it, you know, bled into the second one uh, with Billy's mother coming as a killer, which I never bought. Um, so dumb. Yeah. But I think this kind of laid, uh, uh, I don't want to say like a blueprint, but there were, there were some parallels you can draw to one later on in our list. Um, oh, I'm excited. There's one um, up next, which actually was a Super Bowl commercial recently not the relationship but the character um for whatever reason i didn't understand it one bit um is kim and edward from edward scissorhands and if you guys missed it timothy chalamet 
played Edward Scissorhands. Edgar, I think was his name? Yeah, Edgar. Edgar, Edgar Scissorhands uh, in, a, in a car commercial playing Edgar Scissorhands. I don't understand. You love him, so you love this commercial. I can already tell. Yeah. Just for whatever reason. Um, but It was funny. It, what was funny? <laughs> it, was, it was just Edgar Scissorhands, and he was driving a car. There's nothing funny about that. What it's really funny because somebody forwarded me like a press release for it or whatever, so it came on my phone and like the email got cut off, and all I saw was like Timothy Chalamet plays Edward Scissorhands' son, and I'm like, oh god, in a reboot, what the hell is happening? And then I open it and I was like, oh okay, <laughs> many freak out there. Maybe. Yeah, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, that's why you like it because in fact it's not him actually playing Edward Scissorhands' son in a in a movie reboot. It's just a commercial you're like yeah. okay this is fine um but yeah that's a really popular one um johnny depp as edward scissorhands is one of the most popular movie roles of all time um, yeah and you know who doesn't love the tale of someone falling in love with a guy who has scissors for hands <laughs> they're adorable love them and of course love winona Ryder. so one of my favorites yep uh and then you got one that is extremely popular around the uh halloween time uh, and also Christmas time, which is the nightmare before Christmas. Uh, Jack and Sally. I can't think of a animated horror couple. Again, horror couple that I've seen yeah. popularized more, whether it's on clothing or memes or yeah. TikToks or whatever. It's like Jack and Sally, one of the most popular um, couples in horror movies. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think they're the one one of the most iconic couples just in pop culture over the years. Like they're just, you know, you see them. It's in the Blink One Eighty Two song, like just Jack and Sally. You already know, just amazing couple. They're adorable. Yep. And then this one, uh, I think, which I want to say will draw a little bit of parallels to uh, Sydney and Billy, not in the same manner terms of on-screen relationship but all like the uh i guess popularization on like tumblr and stuff like that with billy loomis um, oh yeah this couple really like if i can think of like i think they're called like fan cams or whatever they are on social media was just like clips of this character and mm. m- music being played behind them whatever it is like yeah, yeah, yeah. edm like rap remixes or whatever <laughs> i i don't understand that whole universe i'm not crapping on it anyway i just don't understand it um, but like this is like the tumblr couple yeah um which is tate and violet from american horror story season one like just if you were on tumblr or twitter or anything at that time there were videos of this man walking around school with his skull face painting on yeah um getting ready to do some really bad stuff <laughs> Oh, yeah. Speaking of, like, romanticizing the villain, I mean, wow. And I I love, you know, the character of Tate. If it was a person in real life, I would have extremely different feelings. But I think as a fictional character, you know, he's a really strong one. Of course, Evan Peters does a great job at portraying him. And uh, Violet is just the sweetest um, best person. I think their relationship had so many ups and downs. It was just like the perfect Tumblr relationship. I watched this uh, season when I was in college, when I was on Tumblr very heavily, and it's really just, you know, uh, ingrained in my memory really a lot. 
yeah, I just I vividly remember how um, one this like kickstarted Evan Peters as being this heartthrob, um, especially yeah. among millennials. Oh yeah, um, but also just like the story that's told on screen between Tate and Violet is super compelling. Uh, it is one of the best uh, like horror romance stories I think uh, of recent times. Um, <clears throat> now I can bring back one division watch one division um evan peters uh but and then even on the flip side like vivian and ben um yeah they were toxic as hell though extremely toxic um which is super interesting because like it's good in movies to have parallels when it comes to like what a relationship should look like also to a relationship that's not good and you can be like well how are these two so different like they're cut Mm -hmm. from the same cloth like what is going on here um but you know, even then, Tate and Violet did have a little bit of toxicness to their relationship as well. Yeah, I was going to say, disclaimer, we're not telling anyone that this is the relationship you want to strive for right. at all. If it's just a fictional horror show, then sure, it's great. It's good entertainment, not something you should try to try to emulate. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> I, I really can't think of one that was like popularized more on social media before this. Like, I guess Billy... As a character? As a character, yeah, but not uh, the romance. Yeah, the the romance between Tate and Violet was, um, and also just Tate as a character, who, yeah, was, of course, Edward, uh, Edward Peters. Um, <laughs> Evan Peters went on to play a, a boatload of characters in the American Horror Story series, but, mm. you know, Tate is the one that I feel like a lot of fans will always resonate. Is like, yep, that's him. Evan Peters is Tate, and also... WandaVision. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but it's just so good. I know. It's it's been a it's been a week since it, the episode came out. I think that's good for spoilers. Um also, I mean Taisa Formiga, who plays Violet, gotta give props to her. She's awesome. She's also in um later seasons of American Horror Story. She's also the sister of Vera Formiga, so we love the horror family. Gotta support it. Um so yeah, that's a that's an iconic couple right there. Yeah, and they're separated by um I think Vera's twenty six or v- Vera is forty seven now and, and Tysa is twenty six. I always thought that was like, oh, that must be her daughter, which doesn't make any sense because the ages don't line up <laughs> either way. Um but you know It's crazy. It's 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 even crazier that uh Tysa was in the nun, which is in the conjuring series. Yeah. Where obviously Vera Farmiga plays Lorraine Wilson. So um you know, this one all this on-screen role also kickstarted her franchise really in terms of being a, a popular face among millennials and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So always got to give props to American Horror Story season one. Definitely. I totally agree with you. Um, and then another one, which I think is also very popular on social media with maybe a younger crowd, but also for all ages is Stranger Things. Mike and Eleven, I am always rooting for them. I think in um, in season three, they uh, went through a few troubles with, you know, becoming teenagers and some outside influences. And they're just so adorable. It's just lo- it's so cute to see the kids, you know, together and happy. So whenever season four comes out, I'm rooting for them. They're the one couple in that show that I really want to work um, because 
I mean, I think Nancy and Jonathan are good as well, but I like Eleven and Mike more. Yeah, I like if you're gonna like go through like the evolution, like we had Tate and Violet, and then we had um, <laughs> Nancy and uh, and Jonathan, especially since. I think Nat, uh, Natalia Dyer and Charlie Heaton dated, right? Yeah. Are they still dating? Yeah, they're still dating, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, but I will always have a soft spot for my main man, Steve Harrington. Because <laughs> you just, you gotta love Steve. He's just the, the lovable guy who was a complete dick in the beginning. But now he's, you know, he's Steve Harrington. How can you not? <laughs> yeah. Maybe he can have a he can have a romance in season four that we can root for. Yeah. like. Especially, I feel like all I've seen of Joe Keery now, he's in some kind of Taco Bell commercial. Yes. With nacho fries or something like that. <laughs> Just like, Joe, like, like, we're Stranger Things season four. That's the one thing we both really wanted from the Super Bowl. I know, I know. It was like too good to be true, but I was like secretly hoping for it, not so secretly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then even another one in Stranger Things, you have um, Max and uh, and Lucas. Yeah, a newer a newer couple. Right, that's in season three. Um, that kind of comes about. Um, also had Dustin and Susie <laughs> from uh, his uh, summer camp or whatever it was. <laughs> that clip of them singing went so viral. Yeah, I was not a fan because I thought it was just annoying. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, well, I thought it was cute. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, it'll be interesting to see as, you know, younger generations grow up and look back at like how, you know, we might look back at, at Sydney and Billy and being a popular on screen yeah. romantic couple and looking now at like Mike and Eleven where Millie Bobby Brown is blowing up all over the place. Finn Wolfhard is extremely popular. Um the the whole Stranger Things universe is insane. Uh and it's crazy to think about this was just some TV show years ago where it popped up on Netflix and we were like, eh, I don't know what this is about. I guess I'll watch it. And it yeah. just became a phenomenon, which is crazy to think about. It's, but yeah, um, you really can, you know, have your your uh, your pick of the lot here when it comes to on-screen couples and uh, Stranger Things because there are so many. I know there are. Um, so we have we have a collection of true blood couples to get into, and um, so we'll go do that. But first, we're gonna take our last break, and we'll be right back. Okay. So. Okay. Before we do this, before we do this, I want to slow you down here. Let's do the Dexter one first because okay, okay. I can rant for the rest of the show about the true blood stuff. Okay, so one of my favorites is Dexter and Rita from Dexter. Cannot um, cannot ex- exclude them from this list because they were adorable and Dexter was not a good husband most of the time. So it was on them. And then um, their relationship came to a very, very tragic end. And I'm not saying it was Dexter's fault, but I mean, it kind of was. And it's just, it makes me sad to think about, but I love them together. So I had to, had to include them on the list. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's getting restarted, right? So there'll be a bit more of a, a happier ending to, to Dexter for you, right? Yeah. But I don't know who he's going to date next. I hope they just don't make him date anyone. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. He has too much baggage. We don't need him to date anyone. Yeah. Um, but 
uh, Julie Benz, who obviously played Rita in Dexter. Mm-hmm. Um, people might know her from being uh, in the Boondock Saints 2, uh, which isn't as good as the original. Um, but Desperate Housewives. Yeah, Desperate Housewives. Uh, Robin Gallagher. You have uh, <laughs> Saw 5. So she's a bit of a horror alum there. Um, but definitely one for uh, a huge franchise like Dexter. I feel like people you know, loved Dexter and Rita together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not a massive Dexter fan, um, but what I am a massive fan of is the last three relationships that we'll talk about because, mm-hmm. God, this just absolutely uh, just gets me riled up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's Sookie Stackhouse from True Blood. <laughs> who, um, one, I love Anna Paquin to begin with. And when I fell in love with this show, you fall in love with three people. Silky Stackhouse, Bill Compton, and Eric Northman. I agree. And then you have, obviously, Tara, who's amazing. You have Lafayette, who's amazing. You know, there are so many amazing characters in the show. But the focus is very much put on the relationship between Sookie and Bill in the very beginning of the show. And that's what drives everything that happens. Mm-hmm. And in the very beginning, Sookie and Bill, it's, it's very... Uh, it's it's more horror than something like Twilight, but it comes out of the same page of like human falls in love with a vampire and mm-hmm. all the troubles that come with being a vampire. Um, so the first season is very much, uh, you know, Bill protecting Sookie from evil vampires and also, um, I guess it would be xenophobic people that live in Bonton, right? I guess you would classify it as xenophobic. I don't yeah. Know. Or or racist, whatever it is, like you know. Yeah, whatever you call vampires. Yeah, vampire haters. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, calling Sookie a, a fang banger and all those things. Terrible. Yeah, um, but you know this on screen relationship, which built for three seasons, was everything to me. I loved this relationship because I it's just amazing. The fact that you know Anna Paquin and Stephen Moyer got married and everything like that. It's like you love mm-hmm. when your on screen characters get married in real life. Like, same thing with, like, Gale and Dewey and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But then, this poor woman's love life just runs completely out of control on screen. And it's, like, all over the place. Because throughout the entire of the entirety of True Blood, you have Eric Northman, who's supposed to be the sheriff of, of the district. Uh, and you're like, yo, this guy is a badass. Like, I love everything about <laughs> Uh, Alexander Skarsgård and Eric Norton. Oh, yeah. Um, total heartthrob and the relationship between him and Pam, uh, who's obviously is Eric is Pam's maker and everything like that, and which is a, a huge thing that we can go into if we ever do like a huge True Blood retrospective episode. Yeah, we absolutely need to do that. <laughs> the, the the romantic aspects of, uh, of someone being uh, their maker and everything like that yeah. is, is awesome. Um, but you know, there's always party that's like, oh, what if Sookie and Eric ended up together? Like, that would be cool. Um, yeah. Because he, he has, like, the whole thing is, like, all of these men in the show have some kind of draw to Sookie for whatever reason uh, in the beginning. And it's eventually explained that, you know, she's Faye and she has light in her and everything like that. And the show is very, very dark. And a lot of it takes place during the night anyway, because vampires mm-hmm. can't walk around in the sun. That's not what we're doing in this one. They don't glow like shiny diamonds. Um, <laughs> but when you finally get Sookie and Eric, it's just 
aggravating because Eric, his whole character plot during the season when they get together after Sookie leaves Bill in season three is that he lost his memory. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I, I agree with everything you said. Like, Sookie and Bill, perfect together in the beginning. They were a couple goals, so adorable. Um, any issues that they had, it was like not because of the other, you know, circumstantial. They were really good together. And I, I always loved the Eric Northman, like, flirtation. It was like they had a love triangle, but it was basically like the love triangle was the what if about um, Eric. And I absolutely love him. He's he's awesome. But it was one of those things where it's like, you know, they shouldn't actually be together. So then once they actually did get together and he was a completely different character, I think like most audiences were like, I didn't want that. Like, this is not what I wanted. Like, why did you do that? Um, so they, they did not end up, you know, the potential that they had. And they're just so different that I don't think they could have really had a successful relationship, even if he hadn't lost his memory. Because she, her and Bill just fit way, way better together. I think her and Eric kind of just had, like, the lust. Like, they both thought each other were attractive and... They got along at times. And besides that, it was kind of just like the danger that was attractive. It wasn't actually a relationship. So I feel like they shouldn't have even gotten together at all. Yeah, especially since like when the when season three ends on a huge cliffhanger of her just disappearing and walking off, it's because you find out that Bill was being a complete D-bag and he was trying to gain power and he didn't have all of the right uh, – you know, he wasn't operating on, on the best of uh, – beliefs and everything like that and trying to kill um evan rachel wood who is the you know the queen of of louisiana yeah um who's unfortunately in the news uh with everything that's been going on with marilyn manson which is terrible um mm -hmm. but i loved her on screen and i was like oh cool now he wants to kill one of my favorite characters this is stupid um so then i was like screw bill <laughs> bill stinks i don't like bill anymore and then you and then she comes back and and bill's the king of louisiana you're like Okay, so, like, screw that. Um, meanwhile, on the side, like, you have Tara, who is Sookie's best friend, and her love life is all over the place, and, mm -hmm. and her character arc is, um, you know, devastating to watch at times, because she's, uh, Rotina Wesley is amazing mm -hmm. as Tara. Um, then you have Lafayette and, I can't remember his name. The Brujo. From season three, yeah. Um, I don't remember his I can't name remember. Like, uh, that relationship was awesome, uh, especially because Lafayette is such a great character. And in the middle of this, you have, like, you know, the lust that you're talking about, but also deep down that I feel like Eric does have some feelings for Sookie as yeah. we continue to build on. And then you throw in Alcide, <laughs> which is just, like, a, a love square right it's a square at that point um making yeah things even more complicated because like Sookie's character starts acting on the whole whims like well i don't want to date vampires anymore i'll date a werewolf because werewolf might be normal because alcide lives a normal life he walks around during the day but <laughs> he can also transform into a werewolf um and that on-screen relationship is given no time which is awful because alcide is such a lovable character and you want the best for him um, that it just, 
it ends with him dying. And it just, it, that's how they break up. They die. And then she gets back together with Bill and then Bill dies. It just, just yeah. oh, I can rant so much about this. It, it upsets me so much. Um, I know. They really did her like relationship timeline so dirty. Like I loved Alcide and I loved, like Eric, their flirtatious moments. But unlike Eric, Alcide was like the good guy, like the dependable one. And I liked her having, like, these, like, temptations, but once they actually, you see them through, it's like, it happens in real life. It's like, once you actually, like, do it, you're like, I don't want this anymore. Um, so with Alcide, like, I think she should have just kept him friend-zoned, and then, like, the audience would have loved him, and then, like, maybe he would have survived. I don't know. Like, that, it, it was just too much. It was. And then the last one from True Blood, which I feel like we have to talk about, because extremely emotional but also just a relationship for all the wrong reasons um is jessica and jason obviously jason is sookie's brother uh who is very much a player in the first couple of seasons Mm -hmm. uh and then he falls in love with a werepanther who you know gets screen time for maybe like however many episodes less than Mm -hmm. 10 and that whole storyline is canned which is bonkers because i thought werepanthers were super cool Mm -hmm. um but you have Jessica and Hoyt, who yes, Hoyt, they should have stayed together. I know. Uh, it, Jessica uh, is is Bill's vampire. I mm. I can't remember what the what the terminology is off the top of my head, but uh, Bill is Jessica's maker. Uh, yeah, she gets turned, and uh, a lot of season two is. Um, not domesticating what it's like it's it's getting just adapted to vampire life right she right was just yeah, this, yeah this sweet school uh i think she was a a school girl if i remember correctly but uh just this sweet girl who got killed and turned into a vampire um, yeah mm-hmm. and uh jessica ends up falling for hoyt who is jason's best friend and Hoyt Fortenberry is just this lovable dude who has never done anything too wrong except love his mama too much. And, yeah. and his mama is a real bee at times, especially to vampires. Um, and the the way it ends up is that Jason falls for Jessica. And it's heartbreaking to watch Hoyt come to the realization that his best friend took his girl away. Yeah. And it ends with Hoyt being glamored to go to Alaska. (laughs) I forgot how emotional this show is. Like, I remember that scene specifically when he is like, I want to get glamored or whatever. And like crying. I remember literally crying at that. It was super sad. And like, (laughs) one of my favorite aspects about true blood was that whenever vampires cried on screen they had blood come out of their eyes yeah um and just watching jessica tear up in uh merlots in the restaurant yeah yeah as uh as hoy is being sent to alaska literally as far away as possible from louisiana as you could get alaska uh in the country um just so heartbreaking to watch especially because jessica and jason don't work out it's just all for yeah so it was stupid. I know. I wish they would have stayed together, but also, like, it, you know, obviously not everything's going to work out. So right. that was just, that was an upsetting love story, but it was also entertaining. Yeah, it does get rectified towards the end of the season, but just watching it play out in real time because you don't know where it's going to go is, yeah. is terrible. Um, 
Oh, and then I completely forgot about this one too. Um, <laughs> it's so many on-screen couples in, in True Blood, as it is oh, with yeah. a lot of HBO shows. Excuse me, uh, romance out the wazoo when it comes to just pairing characters up. Um, but it's I can't remember her name. Uh, it's Terry <laughs> and uh, the redhead. What's her name? Uh, who worked at Merlots? Oh. Uh, Arlene, Arlene. Arlene, that's it. Yes, Arlene and Terry. And <laughs> Terry was just this, uh, you know, veteran who. Yeah, comes they home. were adorable. Yeah, they're so cute together. Um, and that was also heartbreaking. Yeah, like they have some kids together. It's just like Arlene, a character who very much is like looking for her place in in life as the show goes on, and and is explained, and she just falls in love with terry belfler and that's going to be her life and they do this whole character arc where he's being haunted because of uh by an evil spirit uh after serving his time ptsd right yeah yeah and the way and he gets glamour and he gets fixed by everything but not before asking someone to kill him because he didn't want to terrorize Arlene anymore with everything that was going on. And he just gets shot in the back of her lots, which is so awful to watch. It's so sad. Uh, it's, it's such an emotional show, which is wild. I haven't watched the show in so long. And now I feel like I can never watch it again. If I like, it's just so emotional. It really is so great, but it really is so sad. Like looking back at these couples and their big moments, it, it's getting me in my feels. Yeah, well, no better perfect time for that anyway than Valentine's Day, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, those are our favorite uh, and uh, some of the f- most famous on-screen horror couples uh, in the genre. Uh, I think if I had to pick one, it'd either be Gail and Dewey or Sookie and Bill, I think. What about yeah. You? Uh, yeah, definitely Sookie and Bill. Those are all-timers. I would have to say Jack and Sally, too. Gotta love them. And then my wild card pick will be Ch- Chucky and Tiffany. There you go. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, let us know uh, in the reviews. Leave a comment as well or tweet at us. Um, mm-hmm. Natalie's at Natalie Zamora with two A's at the end. Yep. And I am at Odd Slice. Uh, no explanation as to why you guys <laughs> need that. My Twitter handle is the way that it is. Um, but let us know what your favorite uh, on-screen horror couples are. Um, and if you got any big plans for Valentine's Day, I guess if you're going to watch a Valentine's Day horror movie, Bride of Chucky is a good one to watch. It is. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, anything else? No. Happy Valentine's Day. Stay safe in this COVID world and watch some horror movies. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) All right. Awesome. See you guys next time. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.